Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. <clears throat> Beginning, we're going to begin in verse 13. <clears throat> 13 to 35. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the, our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things which had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. <clears throat> this story happens on the day of resurrection, of course, uh, Easter, Resurrection Sunday. And what you see here is these two guys walking along the road and they left Jerusalem and... They have a, a over seven mile journey, and King James says uh, 60 furlongs, which is seven and a half miles. 
actually. It's about seven miles, seven and a half miles. And they travel all the way. When they get there, on the road there, uh, Jesus comes and starts talking with them. But they don't recognize that it's him. And so, they're walking along, and so they begin to explain to Jesus what happens. And you can see, Jesus said, why are you so sad? We're very discouraged. And you can tell, as they begin to tell Jesus about what happened, that they don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Because they're sad, and they said, in verse 21, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Past tense. We were hoping that, but you can see, now their hope is lost. And there's Jesus with them, and they don't recognize him. And, and our hope is lost. And it says, in verse 22, Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Again, they don't believe it. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women said, but they didn't see him. And so, in verse 25, if you read it in the King James Version, it says, O fools, and slow to believe. Jesus calls them fools. And you see... In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warns against calling somebody a fool, but here he says, Oh, you fools and slow to believe. The Lord himself calls them fools because they're unbelief. It is foolish to be in unbelief. And you can see that's where they were. They didn't believe the testimony of the women, just like the apostles didn't. These are not apostles here. These are other disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they don't believe it either. <clears throat> and Jesus begins to explain to them, and slow of heart to believe. Slow of heart, hardness of heart, unbelief. Slow of heart to believe. All the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory, glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded or explained to them the scriptures, the, in the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He, they began to show him the Old Testament prophecies and how he was the Messiah, how the Messiah should suffer and die and rise from the dead. And he's explaining it all to them. And in verse 32, later on, after they realized it was Jesus, it says, They said to each other, in verse 32, Did not our heart burn within us while, we talked with, while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened up to us the scriptures? Jesus, as he was explaining to them the scriptures, says they said to each other, Yeah, our hearts are burning inside of us. As he was explaining it to us. But yet, notice something else when their heart was burning inside of them. They still didn't recognize that Jesus was with them. Their eyes still were not open that Jesus was right there with them walking along the road. 
with them. While their heart was burning, they still didn't recognize Jesus' presence. Right there. And so Jesus, when they came to the village of Emmaus, Jesus acted like he was going to go further. But verse 29 says, But they constrained him, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. They said, Whoever this guy is, we stay with us, you know. Stay, hang on, you know. And they constrained him. It means they, they talked him into it. They pleaded with him. He said, okay, well, because their hearts were burning. But they didn't know it was Jesus. <clears throat> and it says that when he was, in verse 30, it came to pass as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Just like on the Lord's Supper. He blessed it and he gave it to them. It says in verse 31, Then their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. So they realized... This was Jesus who was with us all along. We didn't even know who it was. And so they recognized him in the breaking of bread as their eyes were open. This is Jesus here. And then it says in verse 33, so they rose up at that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. How long does it take to walk seven and a half miles? That morning or that day they left and went seven and a half miles. I know, I go that loop sometimes Two hours. three hours up and three hours back. I mean, three miles up and three hours back of a Valley Forge on that river trail. And it takes us two hours to walk that. So, about 20 minutes per mile. So, seven would be uh, uh, two hours and 20 minutes. And, uh, so, uh, and another half, so that's another 10 minutes. So, it's uh, two and a half hours. So it took them two and a half hours to get there. And when they, they told Jesus to stay with them, it says the day was far spent. So it was in the evening, I guess. And so the day was far spent. And Jesus they realized it was Jesus. They got so excited that we're going back to Jerusalem. <laughs> they walked another seven and a half miles to go back. That's very same day. Another two and a half hours. Five out five five hour walk altogether. Pretty good, pretty good hike. So they get back there, and they begin to, they, the, the disciples, the apostles, tell them they go back to the upper room, the eleven that were there, and they said, "The Lord is indeed risen, as appeared to Simon." And then the two in verse thirty-five say, and they told him about the things that happened in the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. That's how they understood that it was Jesus. And then Jesus himself came and appeared to all of them there, in the upper room there, in verse 36. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be to you. <clears throat> Dave, if you could read from there from verse 37 to verse 45, or verse uh, 49. <clears throat> 
But they were terrified and frightened, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do, you, do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they were still, while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things much must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding, that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And then, excuse me, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So, why are you troubled and why are there doubts in your heart, he says to them. Jesus had said to them that he would rise from the dead. Several times he told them he would be killed in the, by the handed over to sinful men, be killed the third day, rise from the dead. It was hidden from them. Another thing, hidden. And he opened their, their understanding by t- telling them the scriptures. And, he, and it says in another uh, uh, account of the gospel that he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. And so is there a message in this for us as we look at what happened to these disciples here? And there is a message. And there is a message that Sometimes things are hidden from our eyes. You see here that Jesus is walking along the road with these men to Emmaus, these two disciples. And who knows how long. And he, and he was talking to them and explaining things to them. And he, he called them fools because they, they didn't understand the script. They didn't understand what had happened. They heard the testimony that Jesus was alive and he risen from the dead, and they didn't believe it. And he rebuked them right there by calling them fools. And so he's talking with them, and their hearts burn within them. Something springs up, giving them hope. Hey, maybe Jesus did rise from the dead. But guess what? Not only did Jesus rise from the dead, he's the one that's talking to you, but they don't see it. You know. In the book of Psalms, uh, David writes, Where can I go to hide from the presence of God? Can I sit down in the depths of the sea? There's nowhere you can hide from the presence of God. God is everywhere. And the scriptures make that very clear. But understanding and knowing that God is present, that Jesus is present at all times, is something that we really struggle with in our daily life. A famous book by a monk written in the 14th century, Practicing the Presence of God, is where this man wrestles with this idea of 
God being present at all times and trying to keep that in the forefront of his mind. And you know, we and then when we God reveals something to us by his spirit as we're reading God's word and we get this great encouragement and as we go along our road the road in our way, but still we don't recognize hey, God isn't just talking to us. And not only is he present around us, he's present within us. He lives in our hearts. It says in the New Testament that Jesus lives in our hearts by faith. You know, and this is one of the things that we as Christians really wrestle with and struggle with to embrace this truth that God is present with us and in us at all times. In the book of Colossians it says, the mystery of the ages is revealed, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ living in us. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, who's going to come and, and claim the kingdom of this world for himself at some point in the future, and it looks like in the near future. He's going to come. That same person lives in us. That is a powerful, mind-blowing, awesome thing to embrace. But many times it kind of fades away. That very powerful, fundamental, basic truth of the gospel it fades away from our understanding. Our understanding kind of closes on that. And God, He wants to continually open up our understanding about this truth. That He lives in us. He is present within us. We read in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, Do you not know that, ye, that you're you are the temple of God. Your body is the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God also will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Our hearts are a holy place. Because the Holy Spirit dwells there. We read in the Old Testament how some of the corrupt kings put their idols in the temple of God. And then when there was a revival, all those temples, other kings take revival and tear those temples, uh, tear those idols out of, those, out of the temple of God. In the New Testament, as Paul points out, we are the temple, the house of God. The Holy Spirit lives within us. In the Old Testament, the glory of God and the presence of God was in the temple of God. And after Solomon's temple was built, you see the presence of God, the glory of God, go into that temple, into the most holy place. And at the time when God had pronounced judgment against uh, Jerusalem and against Judah and Israel, you see the presence of God leave Jerusalem and leave the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives within us. And you know, the enemy would like us to forget that or have it fade away and us to just live in our, to try to live in our own strength and 
just barrel through and push through and, you know, struggle through on our own. And God is somewhere up on the throne way up there, and He is. But He's also here. He's around us. He's everywhere. And He's also in us. He lives in our hearts. Apostle Paul, we talked, we mentioned this verse last week in Galatians 2. It says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in Christ. He gave his life. He, he loved me. He gave himself for me. Christ lives in me. Do we, you know, do we only remember that? When we're reading the Bible or when we're having this kind of, you know, meeting or... And as we go along and, you know, we get on the merry-go-round of life and we're busy, busy, busy and do, do, do and go, 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 I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And, and it's just all this chatter of life and after I do this, I gotta do that and blah, blah, blah. We're not living in the... We're not living with the awareness of the presence of God. And that kind of keeping those kind of things in mind does not come without a fight. It does not come without a fight. And so we have to fight. What do we have to fight with? We have to fight with all those things that are pulling with us, not to, not to overtake our minds. We have to fight with our flesh. That has no interest in the presence of God and doesn't comprehend or care about the presence of God. And we have to fight against the enemy of our soul, the devil. The Bible says, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. They are at enmity with God, and they fight against everything that God is about. And it also makes us unaware of God's presence with us and in us. And it is so important for us to embrace this truth. It's in the Old and the New Testament. It's in the New Testament in many places. It's very clear. The apostles taught it. From there, I want to go to uh, Genesis chapter 32, when we've read <coughs> before, Genesis 32. <coughs> Beginning in verse 24. Verse 24, Dave to verse 30. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. 
and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask me about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he... Okay. Um, so, here we see that Jacob is wrestling with God. And he doesn't know it. He didn't know it's God. He doesn't know it's the Lord. And he's wrestling with him. And the Lord uh, knocks out his hip. And so he is with his hip out of socket and he won't let him go. He's still holding on. So, oh boy, this is a stubborn guy. This is really, you know, he's being pretty stubborn. His hip's not... All this guy has to do is touch his hip and it knocks his hip out of joint. But he's still, he's not, he's still not going to let go. And he says... I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. So he, whoever Jacob knows this guy is, he's, he wants this guy to bless him. He, you know, he thinks he's an angel or something, but we don't know. So the Lord says to him, what is your name? Now, of course, the Lord knows who his name is. He says, Jacob. And the Lord says, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, which means Prince of God, or Prince with God. And he says, For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And so then Jacob asks, Well, what's your name? And the Lord says to him, Why is it that you ask me your name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob says, I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. He realized that he was, it was the Lord that he had been wrestling with. Now this may seem to be a strange story in some ways, but the, there's, a, there's a point here in this that we have to look at. We talk about this, about praying through, but you see here that Jacob was with the Lord and he didn't know it was the Lord. He was present with him and he didn't know it. And there was a struggle. And then after the struggle is over, he had realized, hey, this is the Lord. The Lord is with me. And so, as I said earlier, we don't always recognize the presence of God. People in the world, they don't recognize the presence of God. Many of them don't even recognize that there is a God. They don't recognize His presence that's in the world. They see the glory of God in creation. They see the sun standing up there on its own 93 million miles away, giving perfect weather to us in four seasons, timed perfectly, held up on nothing. The earth is held up on nothing. The moon and the planets and the stars 
or held up on nothing. The Bible says that the heavens declare God's handiwork. And there it is all around us. They don't recognize the presence of God. And we as Christians, do we recognize His presence with us and in us? Jesus said the Holy Spirit will is with you and He shall be in you, He said to His disciples. God living in our hearts. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, living in our hearts. He lives in our hearts. But do we recognize that? So I get busy and I don't always remember that. I don't recognize it or that. But if we did recognize it, we would live differently, would we? We would be more encouraged, wouldn't we? I remember the track we have laying around here somewhere. It says, if Jesus came to your house, how differently we would... It goes on to say how differently we would live. If Jesus came through our front door and sat down and was living in our house. Oh, how hospitable and loving we would be. Not only him, but everybody that comes in, everybody around us. And how sweetly we would talk to our wife or our husband or our children, you know. And, and how we would be so much more tolerant of everybody. And so much more loving and so much more this and that. Well, Jesus did come to our house. This house that we live in. This tent that we live in. He come, when we believe on Him, and we come into Christ, He lives in our hearts. How shall we live? It is the knowledge of the presence of God that makes a big change in our life. The knowledge of His presence causes us to be encouraged. have hope and I think when we pray a lot of times we recognize sometimes we get down on knees and pray and we're just throwing it somewhere out to the throne way out in the wild blue yonder somewhere but sometimes when we're in prayer and we're seeking God we come to recognize His presence but it is an altogether different thing to recognize and to experience the knowledge and the affirmation that he, he's, he's actually in us. He lives in us. Christ lives in me. And He's present within me. The rivers of living water on the inside. Do we recognize that when we go to the Lord in prayer? Do we recognize that as we walk along the way, as we sit at the dinner table with our families, as we go to work and on our way to work and that guy cuts us off, do we recognize it when we're at work and the boss is getting a little stinky or something? Do we recognize it in our daily life is the real question, that he is present in us and with us? And if we do, then why are we so discouraged? Now you know the story, Jesus is in a boat sleeping and His disciples are all there sitting in the boat and the storm comes and they know Jesus is present and they wake Him up 
They say, Lord, don't you know we're perishing? Don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus, he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves of the sea and and they, everything calms down, no more storm, everything calm. And he says, why did you doubt? But you have a little faith. Why were you afraid? But their response was, who in the world is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? He has power over them. They completely underestimated him. And I believe that's what we do too. I've done it many times. A preacher that I used to listen to when I was a young Christian used to talk about how we put God in a box. What he meant by that was we kind of limit that God can only do this much. You know, and we limit God. It says, I believe in the book of Psalms that that the children of Israel limited the God of Israel. And God said to Moses, Has the hand of the Lord become short? Moses underestimated God. In another place, we read, Is anything too hard for God? Another place we read, With God nothing shall be impossible. But we underestimate God in our, because of the natural mind. The natural mind still troubles us and still confines us. And we have to struggle against it, like Jacob here. We have to struggle against all these things and hold on to this vision that God has given us of the truth, what God is saying here. And believe it, we have to hold on the faith in these things. How do we know that God lives within us? His word says that we believe it by faith. He lives in his heart. He's, we believe in his presence by faith. But with many other things, just as this, our faith can be whittled away at. When we're sick and we need healing, we pray for God to heal us, sometimes we begin to fall into unbelief about it. And so it is about this truth too. That we kind of it kind of fades away and becomes distant, and we begin to lose hope in this truth. And what I want to say here is that we should remind each other of this truth, this very powerful and my and life changing truth. He's with us, and he's in us if we're in Christ. He's in us, and we're not alone. He said he'd be with us always, even to the end of the age. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So why are we afraid? Why are we discouraged? What is he what is he here for then? To help us, to encourage us, all the things that we've been reading about. To strengthen us? To encourage us? To have our prayers answered? That's what he's here for. He lives in our hearts with purpose.
mean, it's up to us to struggle through and those purposes be realized. To struggle like Jacob did. He struggled with God. Understanding God and understand. And lo and behold, as he struggled with God, he recognized his presence right there. God's here. That was the revelation. Not only did he get a blessing, because, oh, look, he prayed and he, you know, he held on to the Lord and he got a blessing. He got more than that. He recognized the presence of God right there with him. God, his presence with me. Little old me. Why? Because he says so. Because he, he believed he made us his children. And all the promises of God. The door swings wide open in Christ. If we believe them. God says to Moses in Exodus 33:14, "My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest." Psalm 1, Psalm 16, "In your presence is the fullness of joy." Psalm 100, "Serve the Lord with gladness; come before his presence with singing." There's people who experienced and understood the presence of God. And God told Moses, I'll go with you. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. There's rest. There's fullness of joy and gladness in His presence. And he says, come before the Lord. Come before His presence with singing and gladness. When we're singing songs, hymns of praise and worship to God, are we just singing? Or are we coming before His presence? Are we worshiping the Lord, coming before His presence with gladness and with singing? Praise the Lord. Brother Dave, you want to start? Just had one thought. Um, things that we all, you know, have the same problem we just sometimes come at it from a different direction but there are those of us who lean on others and need to have encouragement coming from other people in our lives there are those of us who are pretty stalwart in the sense that we um, are sort of more like an island and we depend on ourselves and both of those conditions are wrong both of those conditions are flawed. And what God wants is what Ron was just sharing is that we, you know, recognize. And it's not just enough to have a knowledge of the presence of God. We have to acknowledge the presence of God. Because that is when we become connected to Him. We realize that He is present. We, you know, have a give and take in a relationship that's happening as we're walking this life. And so it's important that no matter which kind of person we are, that we acknowledge that we're flawed unless we are acknowledging the presence of God and we are, you know, asking 
him to constantly, you know, feed us and give us the, the things that we need to walk according to, to his will and according to the will of our Father. So, you know, I remember um, I was thinking of the verse, David, it's somewhere in the Psalms, I was looking for it. Or, um, I think it's in the Psalms, but he says that, I think it was when Saul was chasing after him and he was so discouraged and broken down. And we all get that to that place where we, we, we need, you know, the presence of the Lord. And he said that he, he, at that time, he encouraged himself in the Lord. So he wasn't being an island. He wasn't looking to others to encourage him. He remembered that he needed to connect with God and to remember his promises and to recite in his own mind the truths that would lift him up and cause him to see from the perspective of God and not continue to walk in discouragement because he was discouraged sometimes, just like we are. So, you know, it's a very good, um, good lesson because... It doesn't help to just, you know, get saved and to not practice the presence of God. You, you, you miss the whole, you know, higher life that is, we miss the higher life that is, you know, available to us here and now. And God wants us to experience it here as well as in eternity, you know, in heaven for eternity. So glory to God. I like the comparison between knowledge and acknowledge because that kind of sums up everything we were talking about. Um, you see, in the, in the, I was thinking when you were talking, Dave, of the, of in the, the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus said, uh, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but he that does the will of my Father. And he begins to talk about people who come on Judgment Day and say, I did all these things in your name. And he said, in response to them, I never knew you, you who practice wickedness. But he said, I never knew you. Now, God knows who everybody is. So what does he mean there? When I say, I never knew you. When you know somebody, it's a lot different than knowing about somebody. When you know somebody, you have a relationship with that person. But there is no, you know, relationship there. And you see that with Jacob... He doesn't know who God is until God shows him. He reveals himself to him. And God is right there with him, and he doesn't recognize him. And so it is the people of the world that God is present, but they don't recognize his presence. They, you know, they don't recognize him. Many don't even believe in him. Some people believe in a God, but they don't, they don't recognize his presence everywhere. You know, so... And again, so it's the difference between the knowledge of God... And recognizing God, acknowledging Him, that He's here, I know He's here. And through the, the that's one of the things the Holy Spirit teaches us. Teaches us that He's here and He's present. And reveals His presence to us and in us. I want to read something 